Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. I thought of our next guest when the Don Cherry controversy happened. One of the most iconic figures in the history of Canadian hockey broadcasting fired not long ago. Remember last year when we asked John Forslund, the voice of the Carolina Hurricanes, he said, I might not agree with Cherry on the whole bunch of jerk stuff as he was taking shots at Carolina. I still respect the guy. I get it. Now Don Cherry is out of a job. Fortunately, John Forslund, best I know, still has his job as the voice of the Carolina Hurricanes and really one of the great voices of hockey for NBC Sports nationally and even internationally. I thought of John Forslund again as Jim Rutherford went into the Hockey Hall of Fame last night. And I thought of John Forslund as I wondered if Rod Brindamore will get there someday. So we welcome back from Chicago, where the Blackhawks host the Canes tonight, the voice of the Canes. John Forslund, welcome back to the David Glenn Show, man. You're on my mind a lot. That may frighten you. I don't know. But uh, I'm happy to get to prick, pick your brain here. Uh, let's start with Don Cherry. I know you respect him and you've defended him in a lot of ways. He was in the news again earlier today because he said, I could have gotten my job back if I apologized, but I'm not going to apologize, and he's not going to get his job back. Did he cross the wrong line in your eyes and deserve to be fired, or is this possibly a misunderstanding where Don Cherry deserves his job back in your eyes? Boy, David, there's uh, we have what do we have a couple hours here <laughs> for this segment? Or, um... Yeah, there's a lot to get to here. Yeah, you know, I, I, it's so complicated um, today, and it's um, it's different. It's it's way different than it used to be. What's happened here over the last few days? Uh, there's been a lot of reports. There's been a lot of interviews, you know, with Don. There's been a lot of people talking about Don, and and one of the things that I stumbled upon was an interview he did way back in, I believe it was either 1990 or 91, where he got on his pulpit and uh, was stumping along and talking about. Uh, very similar viewpoints that he expressed um, the other night on, on Coach's Corner. Uh, the problem with this is that, you know, in, in today's world, we have to do better. And we have to not talk down to people. And we have to be sensitive of everyone. At least that's my viewpoint. Yeah. And we've all been coached, you know, in, in the media business, you know, how, how sensitive what we say can be insensitive if we say it the wrong way. And you got to be careful. And the thing about the the you people thing, which is I think what got him fired, um, is that's a ta that's a taboo phrase. That's something that we got to get rid of. It, it, you're talking down to people. And he did have an opportunity to take it back. He did have an opportunity to apologize. There's a lot of sponsorship uh, attached to Don Cherry. Uh, they're going to lose some money on this deal up north. Uh, but he didn't want to do that. And I'm not surprised because Don will dig in for yeah. what he believes in. He's not going to change. You can't change him at 85. You couldn't change him at 25. So um, I know one thing. Um, I've known him for a long time, and I think I expressed this to you last year. I do respect Don yeah. Cherry. I have seen the philanthropic things he's done over time. I, I obviously noticed what he has done to grow the game. Grow the game. I believe that there was a case for him to be in the Hall of Fame as a builder. I think that'll be a tough one now. But this is how quickly the world can change today. The world can change because of uh, the different dimensions we have with social media and just the way it is. And I hope it's for the better. I'm not 100% sure that it is because I think we're taking everyone's feelings into account here when we when uh, people get out of line. So um, that's my opinion. I, I think he was wrong to say it the way he did. I, I still will stand behind him because I, I know who he is. And uh, I don't think he meant it that way, but it sure came out that way. 
John Forslund is joining us on the David Glenn Show. Canes at uh, Blackhawks tonight. You, of course, you can hear John on the call, radio and TV voice of the Carolina Hurricanes. He's on Twitter, at John Forslund. Uh, we'll continue with the Hall of Fame theme in a second. Jim Rutherford, well-known around here, went in last night officially. Rod Brindamore, the, the question lingers over him as to when and if he will get there. But just to follow up on the sensitivity thing, it doesn't strike me as in your nature that you would sort of stumble upon some of the forbidden zones. Um, but as the host of a live three-hour radio show, I know it doesn't yeah. always come out of my mouth the right way. Right. Can you share stories of sensitivity, even if it's not about, you know, those tabbies, taboo subjects, man? If it's race or gender or national origin or skin color, et cetera, I think most of us understand we better be really careful with our choice of words. Uh, how sensitive do people get in, in the feedback that you all get as the voices of the Canes? No, they get very sensitive. You know, they get very sensitive. And, and you know, a lot of it is directed uh, um, towards, you know, which team they love. And, yeah. you know, certainly a national broadcast I hear a lot. But you know what? It, 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 you have to somehow, and I, I, I cross everything. I have legs and fingers and everything <laughs> when I say this, but you have to be careful today. And uh, there are even workplace situations off the mic that you have to be careful yeah. about. That wasn't the case. I'm a sarcastic guy. I've got a sense of humor. Mm -hmm. I love to have a good time. I can be opinionated. I don't like to be dishonest. Sometimes uh, to a fault, I can be brutally honest. Um, and, and I realize that I, I could put myself in a bad way yeah. someday if I'm not careful. So I'm very cognizant of this. And I, and I like I said before, I think the idea behind all this is to get to a better place as a society. Yeah. I don't like how we're going about it, but I think that's what we're attempting to do, and I think we will be better than we were, you know, when you and I were growing up. I, I just think we we're, we're more in tune with how everybody feels. I hope so. Yeah, your your brutal honesty. If I make my list of favorite things about John Forsland, I'm not sure where brutal honesty is, but it's on the list, man. So I hope that one never goes away. I know you shared as as Jim Rutherford went into the Hall of Fame officially last night. I think you shared with us maybe back when he got word of the Hall of Fame honor uh, that he holds a special place in your life for more than the obvious reasons. I mean, you are truly one of the great voices of hockey in, you know, I'd say in, in you know, the 21st century for that matter. And it might not have happened. Is it an exaggeration to say that your career might not have unfolded this way? Were it not for Jim Rutherford saying to John Forsland a long time ago, hey, man, you got one more year left on your contract. Why don't you come down to North Carolina and help us make this thing happen? Yeah, and he was a little bit more forceful than that. <laughs> but, but I'm glad he did um, because there's there's two two situations in my career. Number one, I don't think I ever get a chance to do this without Jim Rutherford. So Jim Rutherford made the call in Hartford to allow me to move um, you know, from a, from a front office slash radio position into full-time television back in 1995. So this never would have taken place, although I thank him for it, and he tells me it would have happened anyway, but that's just the way he is. Um, and, then in, and then in 97, when the team moved, the summer of 97, when um, I had auditioned for the Bruins job, and, and it looked like I might have a really good shot at that, I still had a year left on my deal, and, and uh, Jimmy allowed me to audition for it to see what I wanted to do. But when I came down to North Carolina and I had dinner with him, I think it was at Vincent Steakhouse, right? I think that's uh, up in the north side. I think that's where we had dinner. 
and um, he, he, he expressed in no uncertain terms that he wanted me to be part of this. And thank God he did, because I, I, it's been great for my family. It's been great for my career. And when you talk about someone who's a builder, yeah. uh, Jim Rutherford is, a, in every sense of the world, a, a builder, because he built a franchise in North Carolina. It wasn't like he just you know, fostered the growth of the Toronto Maple Leafs. This was a guy who, uh, you know, along with all of us, kind of started from scratch back in 97. He mentioned last night a lot of different themes, including uh, many of them, you know, important to Penguins fans or Canes fans. Of course, his multiple Stanley Cups in multiple places is kind of the starting point for his Hall of Fame candidacy. But he really built on a theme of, you know, kind of uh, never letting anybody tell you you can't do something, right? How did you see that part of his story? Yeah, I, I texted him right away, and he did get back to me last night, which I was shocked at. You know, it was around midnight. Uh, I woke up this morning and saw and saw the text. But when I when I saw the speech, and I heard that at the end, I was moved by it. And it's not the first time I heard something like that out of his mouth. Um, you know, Jimmy on game days, you couldn't go near him, as you know. Yeah. Um, he, he had his rituals, he had his superstitions. Uh, uh, from a player that he took it right with him to the front office. But he was as positive in the worst of times as anybody I've ever come across professionally. And he was always that way with the players. He always uh, had a soft spot for the guy who was who was struggling, even though he was upset. And even though he threatened to trade many players and went in that locker room between periods and went into his tirade at least once a season, he had a soft spot for these guys. He understood exactly what they were going through and how much support even elite athletes need at the professional level when things aren't going right. We just look at it as fans. We look at it, you know, as a matter of fact situation. Oh, he's getting, he's well paid. So what if he's struggling? Let's, let's pile on, let's build the hate. Um, but they're humans and sometimes it doesn't go well. Sometimes players are at the end of their careers. Sometimes they need a fresh start. And he traded so many players just to give them another opportunity. Maybe it was looked at at face value as a, as your, your, you know, quintessential hockey trade, but he, he made deals to help players and help other teams. And then, and also trying to help the hurricanes and the penguins along the way. And back in the day, the whalers. So, um, uh, I'll tell you what, he, he's at the, the head of my list in terms of people that were influential for me. And I, I loved working for him. I really did. Amen. John Forslund joining us on the David Glenn show. You know, the question looking forward from the Canes perspective is what about this Rod Brindamore guy? Uh, as a player, of course, famous for his work ethic and his two-way play, are all of us, I think, are hoping the answer to my question is yes, Rod Brindamore will get into the Hockey Hall of Fame at some point. But rather than that, because I know how you feel about him as well, when you read the tea leaves, you know, what other players are getting in who have somewhat similar resumes? Or even, you know, just your understanding of how the rules work, could a Rod Brindamore combo candidacy, you know, what he did as a player followed by this ongoing career as a head coach, can we get a combo Rod Brindamore candidate into the Hall of Fame? I think the time is right. Because all you have to do is look at last night. All you have to do is throw Guy Carbono's resume up against right? Roddy's. Yeah. And there you have it. So, um, you know, you look at games played, the goals, the assists, the points. Uh, it was tough. He had some penalty minutes uh, attached to his resume, the two Selkie trophies, the Stanley Cup. 
Um, the ability to make an in, uh, he's in the Flyers Hall of Fame. If the Hurricanes had a Hall of Fame, he'd be there, but yeah. his number's retired. Um, and then I look at his international experience. This is a guy that competed in the, in the Olympics for Team Canada, World Championships. He played in the World Junior Championships when he was a kid. He played college hockey for a season. And then you have all of this off-ice training that he did. And the, the, that has that has changed over the years with him kind of being the go-to guy for hockey players to look at. The model of off-ice training has always been Rod the Bot. So, and now he's a coach. And, and when you look at the significance he had, and I've always called him the most significant player, maybe Ronnie Francis was the greatest player yeah. to play for the Hurricanes, but certainly the most significant player for me is Rod Brindamore because of what he's been able to do what he did when he became captain and and he is still doing it he put his hands up and said let me coach this team and look at the season it had last year he is a hall of famer without question and we have to continue to uh, uh campaign for it because it's justified last thing for john forslund with the canes playing at the chicago blackhawks tonight chicago by the way looks like a totally different team than it did earlier this year i, I thought they got out of the gate really right. poorly, and all of a sudden, I don't even know why they're, they've turned it around so much. But my question is just more about the Canes. Give us a, I call it the quarter pole update, right? 20 games in, roughly the quarter point of the regular season. They are in playoff position with 25 points through 20 games. But uh, where's the health of the team? What needs to get better uh, for them to stay on this kind of a playoff pace? Well, the 20-game uh, report card is, is significant because that's usually where teams look at it and say, this is who we are, and this is where the GMs look at teams and say, this is what we need to do after 20. 20 is a pretty good read. I don't think it's that bad for the Hurricanes. I mean, you know, you get out of the gate with that 5-0 and start and everybody's ready to have a parade. Then it kind of leveled off a little bit. But you look at all the different uh, metrics you can look at. You look at their special teams, which have been criticized this year, but their power play is top 10. Their penalty killing is in the top 10. Um, you look at their goals, four goals against, that's on a positive side. Uh, there's a lot of things here that um, have been really good, and guys like Dougie Hamilton and uh, uh, are having these these career seasons. Ajo's starting to get some traction. El Tavoteravainen's been maybe their best forward in a quiet way all season. But where where they're at right now is they're a little bit indifferent for me because I think the last two games were are, are camouflaging some issues. Uh, great to win them. Great to win yeah. both in overtime, but they did not play well in Buffalo. They did not play well in Minnesota. They allowed a bad team in Minnesota to gain traction, look better than they were uh, Saturday afternoon. That's got to change. And maybe tonight against the Chicago team playing their best hockey and Patrick Kane is off the charts again, uh, you know, maybe they'll, they'll have to be uh, more in tune to uh, to get back to their identity, but I, I don't think they're there yet. But it's a, it's a real good problem to have because, as you point out, they're in a playoff position. They're over 500. Um, there's a lot of good things going on here, but the division is a scramble, so you can't uh, you know have any setbacks. That's that's the problem here. And I I just think I just worry about uh, their total game uh, defensively because I think they they give up a lot. They give up more than I think the coach likes, and the coach is a little edgy. And when Rod's edgy, and I can read him as good as anybody, that's usually a good thing because he's he's on to something he wants to fixed and that and that's what's ailing the team right now last thing for john forslund you've probably heard stories from over the years in golf or other sports 
where a guy loses a bunch of a weight and then he just, you know, his swing goes away for whatever reason, is the big rig Mike Maniscalco, a slightly smaller version of the big rig as your uh, ice side reporter. Is his swing still intact? Is he still delivering the goods the way the big rig has over the years uh, in a slightly slimmed down version of himself? Well, I think he was able to get himself over to Tavern on Rush uh, last night, which is right <laughs> across the street from the hotel here, and have one of his classic dinners. So, nice. um, you know, he may have altered his diet. He may have altered a, a couple of other things uh, along the way because of the uh, the surgery and, and what he went through. But he's back, and it's great to see. And uh, you know what? Um, just look at the players and how they reacted, yeah. not only uh, right away in terms of what he was going through, but since he's been back. Uh, he's loved by everybody, so we're, we're ecstatic to have him back. Well put. John Forslund, thanks for the visit. We'll be listening tonight and watching. Okay, David. You My got pleasure. It. Thanks, buddy. On Twitter at John Forslund, the radio and TV voice of the Carolina Hurricanes and also NBC Sports. Back to your calls on the other side. We have the NFL, including David Tepper's meeting with the media yesterday. It is a rare media availability with the Carolina Panthers owner. Some interesting things came out of it. We've discussed many of them. If you had a question or request of David Tepper as a Panthers fan, what would it be? You can share that at 1-800-849-2761. College football play committee rankings are out again tonight we know the top three in some order will be the three unbeatens LSU and Ohio State and Clemson after that it is a montage of one loss resumes filled with teams that still believe they have shots at the final four in this modern day playoff bracket style approach to college football and crowning a national champion you can jump in on the NHL or NBA headlines of the day and I brought up college basketball because there's a lot to be excited about in our neighborhood and beyond states back on the court tonight and Kevin Keats is making the right kind of waves on the recruiting trail Duke is number one in the polls again and headed to New York City for a doubleheader Cal on Thursday and either Georgetown or Texas on Friday Carol Carolina is undefeated, 3-0 as the Tar Heels host the Elon Phoenix tomorrow night. Cole Anthony and Garrison Brooks, another firm foundation for Roy Williams, who needs others to step up for the Heels to be all they can be. Louisville and UVA, like Duke and Carolina, also ranked in the national top 10 as representatives of the ACC. 1-800-849-2761. A strange story involving Michael Jordan inspired one of our questions of the day. Someone who saved a bank check that he signed and deposited 35 years ago saved that check. And now is auctioning it off and perhaps is going to collect a nice prize in the form of a multi-thousand dollar payday. It was only a bank check for $5 after Michael Jordan beat a fellow UNC student in a round of billiards. That paycheck or that bank check was saved and is now going to make the holder of that check thousands in an auction that is due to expire next month. What is the most obscure piece of memorabilia you have that's associated in some way with a prominent sports figure? You can share your story at 1-800-849-2761. I liked the creative Augusta National Nursery Crew. That signed flag also involved Michael Jordan. More of your creative stories on and more of those headlines. 1-800-849-2761. Next on the David Glenn Show. 
UNC coach Roy Williams is joining us. You are uncomfortable with your name in the same sentence as Dean Smith. I know that I will never be as good as he was in, in any way. Yet when I hear people say those things, yeah, those things are pretty neat. I, but I try to make sure that's about as far as I go. Keep it here on the David Glenn Show. to the David Glenn Show. Guests in the books, your phone calls on the NFL, college football, NBA, NHL, and college hoops headlines of the day. Couple of quick updates on people I mentioned earlier, Antonio Brown and Carmelo Anthony among them. The latter is returning to the NBA tonight. He is 35 years old. He is a 10-time NBA All-Star. But he has not put on an NBA uniform in more than one calendar year. It was last November 8th when he played his last game for the Houston Rockets. He has been unsigned since then. Carmelo Anthony has been activated by the Portland Trailblazers. That is an NBA TV matchup tonight against the New Orleans Pelicans. So no Zion Williamson, of course. All those TV executives who planned their TV schedules this way did so in, with Zion in mind. That's why New Orleans is on your menu so often this early NBA season. But Carmelo Anthony is expected to play tonight as the Blazers take on the Pelicans. Meanwhile, Antonio Brown, one of the best NFL wide receivers of our time, has posted an apology to Patriots owner Robert Kraft on Instagram. He wrote, Mr. Kraft, I apologize sincerely to you and your organization, exclamation point. All I wanted to be was an asset to the organization. Sorry for the bad media and the drama. Thank you sincerely, A.B. And he posted that. There's like 300,000 likes on Instagram. Remember, the Patriots released A.B. back in September. It was only 11 days after they signed him. Two days later, Antonio Brown called out Bob Kraft personally, including a a, in a tweet that he later deleted. Hey, Kraft got caught in the parlor, dot, 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 meaning the massage parlor. I guess that's part of what Brown apologized for yesterday. Meanwhile, he met five days ago with the NFL to address the multiple sexual assault allegations against him. That meeting lasted a reported eight hours, and there could be follow-ups between Antonio Brown and the league before a decision is made about his future. Keep in mind, if you're wondering about those shying away from Colin Kaepernick for any variety of reasons, well, well he sued us. He filed that grievance. You know, we, we had to pay him millions of dollars just to settle that grievance. Can you hold a grudge because of that? Even if you were not colluding against him, remember, you were part of the payment to Eric Reed of the Panthers or Colin Kaepernick because the NFL chose to settle those grievances and settle with a seven-figure settlement for each of those two guys. Imagine what resentment there might be among some owners toward an Antonio Brown who, as we speak, has eight active grievances against the Raiders and the Patriots based on what money they owe him. He is seeking roughly $40 million in lost salary, bonuses, and guaranteed money. Of course, the details of what he did wrong and his departure with Oakland and New England go right to what they do owe him and don't owe him. I think some folks are afraid of Antonio Brown. Sometimes he looks like somebody suffering from multiple personality disorder. I mean, he truly, in within 24 hours, and I don't know if he has a mental illness. If he does, he does. If he's just an opportunist who, when he wants back in the NFL, knows he better apologize. I honestly don't know if he's just that erratic 
or he says what he wants to say and then realizes that's not helping him get a job and then turns around and apologize, apologizes, whatever the reality there. Antonio Brown has scared a lot of NFL teams for a lot of different legitimate reasons, and that's why most people don't think he's going to be getting an NFL job anytime soon. 1-800-849-2761. Terry in Raleigh wants in on the memorabilia question of the day. Jerry in Hurdle Mills wants in on the David Tepper question of the day. Steven and Eric and others want in as well. You can jump in at 1-800-849-2761. Terry, welcome to the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Hey, David, how you doing? Doing great, man. What's on your mind? Well, I was driving around. I heard the, the question you had about the memorabilia, and I said, well, I was driving limos. I used to drive limos in downtown Raleigh for about 10 years, and I pulled up in front of uh, Next to High Five, and I was waiting for my people to come out. And I saw these two individuals come up the sidewalk, and one of them was like my size. The other one was like gigantic human being. And... The, the little guy went into the high five, and the guy was standing there by himself, the big guy. So I walked up to him, and I said, excuse me, um, are you Mario Williams? He goes, yes, sir, just as nice as could be. Cool. And um, I looked at him, and I said, now I know why you were drafted number one. He is one of the enormous. largest people I've ever met as well. It's, exactly. It's when incredible. I, it I think it was his hand. His hand was gigantic. Right. But uh, he was just as nice as can be. Well, my story is a little bit too pot. A little later, I had the Tory Holt Foundation. Um, they were doing their golf tournament. And in my vehicle happened to be Ricky Pohl, Isaac King, played for the Rams, uh, Javon Kersey, the Eagles, nice. Keenan McCardell, a few other people. Well, <laughs> during the course of conversation, I let it out of the bag that I'm obviously from Boston, and I, I said my favorite team is the Patriots. Well, keep in mind, this was 2006, fresh off three or oh. four years of winning. All the guys in the car played for the teams that lost to the Patriots. Oh. So it kind of diminished my chance of getting any kind of like, you know. Yeah. Uh, Maybe the tip went down that day. <laughs> but I got him through a roadblock and everything that night. At the end of the night, Javon Kersey said something I can't repeat. But he palmed me, and it was a, a lonely $20 bill. And I thought, whoa. <laughs> Should have been more with all those salaries in the car, you know? Yeah, no kidding. Hey, by the way, I'm curious. <laughs> what percentage of customers treat their limo drivers well? Oh. Um, Please tell me more than 50%. 60, 60 70%. Right. The ones you would think would don't and the ones hmm. you would think wouldn't do. It's Interesting. It's really crazy. I don't drive anymore. <laughs> I was just curious. I'm retired. I'm, I'm just burn me out. <laughs> I'm just an eternally curious guy. I wondered. I mean, I have not had a limo driver often in my life, but when I'm around the lovely and talented Maria, nobody ever gets under tipped. I can promise you that. <laughs> that woman, she over tips everybody. I'm convinced she tips people that are in industries where they don't even get tips. That's just how it works in the Glenn household. Thank well, you for your story, I Terry. Worth the wait. I waited, you know, perhaps two hours to talk to you, but. I love your show. I love listening to you talk, and I love everything you guys. Thanks for listening, and congratulations okay. to the ongoing success of your Patriots as well. Did you know Terry was from the New England area? I thought I heard a little of that. A little <laughs> yeah, of I that. I think it was pretty obvious. We, 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 might have able to, <laughs> we might have been able to put him uh, with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck uh, in one of my favorite movies. If we needed an extra, I think he would have fit in quite well. Jerry and Hurdle Mills, you're next on the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Yes, sir, David. Um, I want to not the day David Tepper bought the Panthers. I was ecstatic because we had a owner that purchased our team from a winning organization, the Pittsburgh Steelers, that knew about winning. True. He come to the Panthers expecting to win. The thing is, 
the people that he had already there, general manager, scouts, they not doing the job like they're supposed to. I mean, we got stars there, young stars, McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, and, I mean, we've got to have an offensive line to protect the quarterback to get these players the ball. True. If not, we're not going nowhere. I mean, I, Trent, uh, that Williams guy from the, um, the Washington Redskins, offensive lineman, left tackle, yeah. still available. We haven't even made a play for this guy yet. And, so, um, I mean, we he wants to spend money to build a Super Bowl contender. You've got to look at some of these veteran free agents, especially yeah. some of the superstars that's out there. The good news about Tepper is he's not going to be afraid to spend money. The, the tricky thing about the NFL is virtually everybody spends to the cap. Like I've always told Canes fans, your hockey owner matters a lot more in terms of sheer dollar power than most NFL owners do. Now, it doesn't hurt to be the wealthiest owner in the National Football League, which David Tepper is. Being worth 12 to $14 billion makes him number one on that list after a couple of other very wealthy people have passed on or passed some uh, controlling interest to their family or whatever. So David Tepper has truly the deepest pockets in the National Football League. But remember, it is in a sport where virtually everybody spends to the cap anyway. You're not getting as much of an advantage. In hockey or in baseball, I mean, like one team can literally spend in baseball two times as much as another team. Uh, in hockey, it's not that extreme for the most part, but lots of teams don't spend near the cap in hockey. And Tom Dundon has shown more of a willingness than Peter Carmanos did to spend closer to the cap. And I think that's great for Kaniacs in our statewide audience. David Tepper's going to spend. It's a matter of where does he spend his money and where does he value? We know that under Jerry Richardson, he preferred GMs with the mindset of building from the trenches out. And I don't think that's a bad mindset. We'll see if David Tepper wants to continue that. You know, he might have metrics and analytics that suggest the different way to go. I, I don't know. I like the trenches out approach. You got to have a quarterback. And David Tepper said yesterday, the, one of the reasons they didn't send anybody to Atlanta to work out or to, to follow the Colin Kaepernick story was that he already has Cam Newton under contract for next year and he already has two younger guys in Kyle Allen and Will Greer so that he's not in the market for another quarterback right now. Uh, maybe the most interesting thing David Tepper said yesterday was that he claims he's not making a decision on Cam Newton until he sees Cam Newton healthy again. That pushes back the timetable. A lot of Panthers fans are ready to decide right now. This is what I think of Kyle Allen, for better or for worse. This is what I think of Cam. And if it's not going to be Cam and it's not going to be Allen, this is what I think the Panthers should do, draft, trade, or otherwise. You better have an answer. I think we all know that. David Tepper's kind of playing the wait and see. At least that's his public comment and is claiming he's not making a decision on Cam until he sees him healthy again. He added, by the way, this is not a direct quote, but basically David Tepper said, in my perfect world, Cam Newton is the guy leading the Panthers back to the Super Bowl. David Tepper said that yesterday. His opinion, of course, matters a lot more than ours does when it comes to Cam Newton or anybody else. Don't worry about how much money David Tepper spends. That guy is wickedly rich. And given his plans in Rock Hill, South Carolina for the new headquarters, given his plans to, yes, ask for some public money, that'll be one heck of a debate in Charlotte and statewide, perhaps, depending on which governmental entities he asks for money for a new stadium near Uptown Charlotte or in Uptown Charlotte. But that's a little bit 
further down the road. David Tepper has said, yeah, he's putting up some of his own money for that proposed multi-use he wants the MLS franchise that many think he's going to get in the next few months to share it with the Carolina Panthers of the NFL. So Bank of America Stadium may have a half a dozen or more years left in it. He believes that within the next decade, he's going to, be ha- he's going to have an MLS franchise and the Panthers sharing, kind of like the Falcons share the new uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta with their M- that city's MLS franchise, both owned, remember, by Arthur Blank. Very similar situation, and one of the reasons people believe that Charlotte has risen to the top of the MLS pecking order is that David Tepper, A, has deeper pockets than most people in the MLS, but B, is convincing them that the Arthur Blank model can work. And for a while, it may have to work in Bank of America Stadium, but after that, it would be in a new stadium right there in Charlotte. The guy's not afraid to spend money. Everything he's ever done underlines that idea. Where he spends that money will be the debate going forward. Offensive line, as you mentioned, uh, who's the new quarterback, of course, has to be determined at some point. And he he actually has a lot more on his plate personnel-wise than he has financial things to worry about. Steven and Elon, you're next on the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Steven, what's going on? Hey, David, this is Steven. How you doing? I'm doing great, and now I know what you're calling about. Go right ahead. This is a great story. <laughs> so, sports memorabilia. I happen to have a poster from Charlotte uh, Motor Speedway, 1987, the NASCAR race, the Winston. All right. Uh, when they did the invitational-only deal, and it was kind of a big deal, and the poster's pretty unique. It's got a lot of cool drivers in it. It uh, is. Dale Earnhardt, <laughs> Neil Bonnet, Bill Elliott, Richard Petty, a lot of, but the most unique, is uh, the guy that drove the number 25 Folgers car. His name was Tim Richmond. And uh, he he died young, passed away of age, believe it or not. But in this poster, they only gave a few of them out at the track. And when I say a few, several hundred. But they ended up reprinting them after they realized what had happened. But uh, in, in if you were at the track that day and got a poster, uh, those posters uh, had a unique uh, deal with yes, them. Yes, they uh, did. <laughs> had part of his anatomy uh, exposed uh, in those posters, and I had the thing on my wall for like 10 years and didn't know it, and of all things, had a, a youth group from church come over and was sitting there, and one of the guys goes, you know, that poster's worth some money. That's one of the original ones, and I was like, what? And he explained to me why, but pretty crazy uh most it's a, people it's a great story and can never find no. understand it but it's there I, I i hesitate to use the phrase steven pulled it out because i mean <laughs> right. steven right. pulled out the poster is what i mean but steven pulled it out meaning the poster and made and asked me to look at it and i'm seeing all these famous drivers and it's actually like he said it's a really cool layout from that era of nascar history it's like man how'd they get all those guys to stand and pose for this photo at the same time and it's everybody you would have wanted from that chapter of nascar history man i'm I'm looking for like a curse word on somebody's you know uh somebody's outfit from the pits or whatever i can't find anything I'm, i'm looking for somebody flipping the bird you know during their pose and i don't see anything and I swear, I must have looked at it, Stephen, for like five minutes. And I'm like, Stephen, I, I don't know, man. I don't see anything. And then Stephen pointed to, yes, that driver's anatomy that he had left out for all the world to see, unbeknownst to the photographer or anyone, of course, who ended up distributing that poster. Very well done, Stephen and Elon. We look forward to seeing you on Thursday, man.
All right. Take care, buddy. Thanks Good for job. playing. We're taking Steven and his wife and the Elon 7 a.m. tailgate crew to the hockey game on Thursday. Darren, you have to bail on us now, right? I do. I've got uh, – they made the announcement yesterday that NC State is hosting an NCAA tournament men's soccer game. So I got asked to – You're still to, to the producer of the David Glenn Show? Sometimes. You're the voice of High Point <laughs> Basketball. You're doing NCAA tournament soccer. You got ESPN3 stuff, USA Baseball. Am I still somewhere on the resume? Yeah, Am I for getting sure. bumped down the ladder? A little bit? No, 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 no. This is this is the rock, man. All right. This is still the foundation for yeah, now? Yeah. Are you still gonna see the Elon guys in studio Thursday, yeah, right? Yeah, I'll be All here. Right. So I think those guys have donated, is it like a million dollars to charity? They're gonna join us in studio uh, on Thursday for the course of the show or whatever chunk they want to be with us. And then we are taking them to dinner and to the Hurricanes game against the Flyers on Thursday night. They're gonna get to meet for the first time the lovely and talented Maria. She's going to join us for dinner and probably hockey as well. I'm jealous of that. I just you had the thought the other day. I haven't seen Maria in a while. So. Yeah, she misses you. She, she, I miss her too. Frankly, she misses you more than she misses me on some days. 1-800-849-2761. Last call for phone calls are on the other side. College hoops, college football, NFL. The David Tepper media availability from yesterday was interesting. The Michael Jordan paraphernalia and memorabilia certainly has led to some creative stories today as well. You can join us on the other side with your story, with your question, or with your comment. There was another Colin Kaepernick myth destroyed yesterday by ProFootballTalk.com. They found the waiver that he refused to sign on the advice of his representatives. More myth-shattering on Colin Kaepernick with more of your calls next on The David Glenn Show. Kevin Harlan is joining us. It was a boring game, and the guy ran out right through the formation as if he was a wide receiver <laughs> to be a part of the play. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. You always think of calling that dramatic last-second buzzer-beating shot or a touchdown pass or, or something more historic. This is the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Quick story as we head back to your calls for the last call for phone calls. NFL, college football, David Tepper, NHL, NBA, college hoops. Questions, comments, answers to our question of the day are all fair game. Good storytelling today in honor of the Michael Jordan 1984 check that is about to go out for auction to the tune of thousands of dollars for the guy smart enough to hold that check from 35 years ago with the Mike Jordan signature slash autograph on it. 1-800-849-2761. Y'all know my bottom line with Colin Kaepernick is whether you like him or dislike him, just like him or dislike him for actual reasons, not manufactured reasons, not things you make false assumptions about, etc. If it's just a matter of your opinion versus my opinion, you were offended by this or that. I was not offended. Well, we just agree to disagree and we move on. The weird thing about Kaepernick is that there are so many people who dislike him based on myths or inaccuracies or false assumptions. And I do lose respect for a lot of those people who hold those angry opinions when they don't even know they're holding them based on myths and false assumptions and inaccuracies. One more myth buster, if you will, is that if you believe that Colin Kaepernick refused to sign a standard waiver on the NFL from the NFL on Saturday, just read the ProFootballTalk.com article. You don't need a law background. You don't need a law degree. You don't need my $1,000 an hour legal advice. 
to be able to read this article and conclude that they got actual waivers that actual NFL teams use at actual lawsuits, and it's crystal clear what Colin Kaepernick was asked to sign involved a lot more than that. No lawyer in his or her right mind would say, yeah, Colin, no problem. Go ahead and just sign it, even though there's all that other legalese in there. Signing your way, your rights away to everything for all of eternity? No, not given the animosity-filled relationship between Kaepernick and the NFL in the rearview mirror. Remember, they had to sign a settlement worth seven figures just to make that problem go away. Eric and Nightdale, tell your story as quickly as you can. You're our last caller today on the David Glenn Show. You got a famous sports figure's autograph because you were dating his daughter? Yes. Wow, late on us. Uh, yeah, I, I, um, I was living in Tampa, and I was dating a girl named Kristen, and we were dating for a little bit. She goes, well, you want to go meet my dad? And I was a huge uh, Detroit Tigers fan growing up as a, as a kid. And we walk in the house, and there stands Denny McClain. Wow. And I just about fell on the floor, and... Uh, Rest in peace to Kristen. She passed away a few years after we were dating. But uh, I got a ball. I still have the ball um, signed by Denny McLean, and he was one of my childhood heroes. Did you get Did you get the autograph from the dad while meeting him, or was it later after dating his daughter? No, I I was I was at at his house that day. Wow, that's bold, man. yeah, when I first met him. You go, Eric and Nightdale. I'm not, I don't think most people, especially in the I'm dating your daughter scenario, would have the presence of mind or the David Tepper-style brass balls on his desk to ask for the signed baseball while I ask for your daughter's hand in dating. Good work, Eric. Thank you for sharing your story today. Final thoughts and TV picks as we come down the stretch. Next. Gary Player joining us. This morning I did 1,300 sit-ups and crunches. Wow. I pushed 300 pounds with my legs and I ran on the treadmill. You are one of the legends of golf and you've been an inspiration as a person as well. What a nice compliment and God bless America. You're listening to The David Glenn Show. We are coming down the stretch on today's program. And down the stretch come. Thanks to Anthony Beck to ESPN, John Forsland of the Carolina Hurricanes. Great calls statewide here on our program as well. You've got the committee rankings televised tonight, 7 o'clock ESPN. The Wolfpack hosting Alcorn State. U.S. Men's National Team Soccer, 7.30 on FS1. That is their season finale. There is Tuesday night at Maction Football and some NBA Canes at Chicago, too. Enjoy the game. See you tomorrow. Mr. President Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to, to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina. Love the people in North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.